This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast special episode today. Going to get to that episode in just a minute. Let's we'll talk to you first about our friends at BetOnline.ag. No better source to pick up your gambling needs as sports are starting to return. The UFC, NASCAR, some fun golf matches out there. They still have their $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge that you can enter free of charge. Go to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of the poker, the blackjack, all available 24-7. You'll get a nice welcome bonus when you join, and that welcome bonus is something that you receive quickly, unlike other sites out there who withhold it for prolonged periods of time. Again, that's betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. They're our presenting sponsor. We believe in them. Hopefully you will too. Again, that's betonline.ag using that promo code BLUEWIRE. We have a crossover episode coming for you today. Myself and Locked On Browns host Jeff Lloyd sat down. We usually do this quarterly. Sit down, chat, catch up on things, talk about the storylines that are important at the time. Really excited about this interview. little spotty internet connection. Hopefully that doesn't bother you all too much. Some things cut here and there. But overall, a really fun time with Jeff. As he always gives great perspective, and I really enjoy talking with him. So let's get over to that interview right now. I'm going to sit down today with Jake Burns, uh, part of the OBR. And obviously, Jake, one of the hardest working guys, you know, Cleveland Browns coverage-wise there is. But we spoke about this yesterday. And, you know, part of the community here, Lane Atkins. Lane's always been a great big brother, great uncle to part of the community here, always willing to extend a hand here, going through the most difficult time that anybody could possibly go through right now with the loss of his wife, Christine, uh, which mentioned yesterday about the GoFundMe, um, hopefully trying to raise $20,000 well close to between eighteen five and 19000 as we're recording now. Um, we joke about our significant others, but the fact is, you know, guys, gals, we'd all be lost without him. So if we can do this and make, you know, Lane and what he's going through right now a little bit easier, all the more better. So I know it's on Jake's page. I know it's on my page. If you haven't seen it by now, Cleveland Browns wives or Browns Twitter, I don't know what's going on. But go ahead, check it out, and let's do all we can for Lane here and try to make, you know, his life as easy as it possibly would be in the most difficult of times. Jake, my man, what's going on, bud? It's been too long. It has been too long, man. we got to do this more often. I appreciate you having me on, obviously. Big, big fan of your work and – and uh, it's been fun watching you grow, and it's 
it's good here. It's good in Columbus. We're hanging on. Family's doing well. All we can ask for during this weird time. Wife gets back to work tomorrow. I've been lucky enough to work from home. And, you know, you talk about, you know, people and caring about others. And, and hopefully most of you have seen Lane's situation and understand the difficulty that comes with losing somebody so close to you and can do something for him. I know this is not the easiest time financially for everybody, but hopefully you can find a way to do something for Lane and his family, give something small. Um, great guy, great person, has always been there for everybody. It dates back into the 90s with his coverage of the Browns, even before then, dating back to Bernie's bros and all of that stuff. And Lane's a great dude. He's been he's been good to me. I know he's been good to Jeff. Um, and many other people have that story. So hopefully you can find in your heart to do something for him or at least give him some kind words at this time of struggle. And, and uh, that was a nice intro, Jeff. I really appreciate that. And I know the OBR family does too. Uh, we talk about this all the time. Um, in you know, in some of these circles, it, you know, there is some competition going on. Um, but what you guys do, and I know I speak for Pete as well, it, it, it's a mutual respect here. We're all just trying to do the best we can with something we enjoy, and you know, talk about a franchise. Now here, you know, I'm late to the party here. Um, but Jay can see me right now. You know, it's it, it's become a, a Cleveland Brown thing for me. Um, so I guess we'll go here first before we get to the draft. Before we get to you know some Browns rumors here. Jake, we went through this last year. We did. We all did. And we tried that to, you know, we tried to keep ourselves in check and not get too excited. And it was hard. And then, you know, we'll get to camp and hear Sports Illustrated. Guess who's on the cover of the NFL preview issue? The Cleveland Browns. Um, but what needed to be said today, and we got some Baker, you know, uh, availability, say, media-wise, and it was the, you know, the slow and it's we need to work we need to prove it and you know i know for you i know for me look we all are excited about what's gone on here this offseason here but nothing means stinking nothing in may in june in july in august and hell even september it's all about where you're standing come late november come december and i think that is one thing and granted it's a new regime new front office new head coach, but I think that grasp is a little bit more firm this year is you just ain't going to throw names on the field and succeed. It's got to be done and nothing is ever going to happen without putting the work in. Yeah, you feel good. I mean, you know, these, like you said, Jeff, these are all words, right? I mean, they're all words and they can all be blown apart as much as anybody wants to blow them up and talk about the just words, but you, you also want to hear the right words. And I think for the first time in, um, a calendar year here, you've heard the Browns saying the right things in terms of, yeah, keep your head down and work and Baker saying the right things. And, and um, you know, it's not, it's not that Baker's the first one to say it. Miles has said something about the need to work and less, less talk. And I know even Nick Chubb has said something recently and, and Jim Rome and, and uh, there's, there's a universal understanding in this, this team, this situation that we have to just work, keep our head down, shut up and work. And I think that that's, that's the mantra, right? The best in the league just kind of keep their head down and the division rival, their whole thing last year was, right? Nobody cares, work harder. And hopefully the Browns have seen that. Hopefully the Browns understand that. And I'm sure they do and have seen how, you know, the teams that are the best in this league typically operate. They keep their mouth shut. They play hard football. And, you know, you like I said, they could say, you could say all you want about these are just words. That's fine. But you also want to hear the right words if they're just words. And they're saying the right words. So hopefully you see that translate, that work attitude, the shut up work attitude that we've seen. Even wide receiver coach on building the Browns, um, O'Shea said the same thing, right, which is 
nobody cares, man. Just shut the F up and work. And hopefully that carries into the season. They, they cut out all the extra noise. They just say what's necessary and they just go out and work. And hopefully that translates into wins. And you really have the right front office and the right coaching staff now that it feels like is going to really preach that element. And you hopefully have leaders in the, in the, in the, you know, not the clubhouse, but the locker room was leadership locker room guys that can, that can monitor that stuff. So uh, what'd you think of that whole situation, Joe? I loved seeing the way it's coming to pass. And even what we've heard of Nick Chubb over the last couple of days and, you know, and somebody brought up, you know, from, uh, back from his Georgia days and, you know, oh, you don't tweet, you know, don't put anything on Instagram and, you know, Nick Chubb with the, you know, with the elbow and, you know, it's a joke because Nick don't say much at all, but, you know, when's the last time you saw a Lamborghini commercial? It's good to know that you're good, but nothing matters it, and none of it translates and nobody cares unless it's wins. And, and that is regardless of the sport or whatever you're doing or even your occupation it's about wins and losses that is how everything is judged um you know you hate to say it but it's not like you you know jake obviously you got a child i got two you know the attaboys that don't that don't means nothing in professional sports yeah you did a great job and you know i was obviously you know in my playing days it was a lot different and and for me and the coaches i had you know oh well you did something good congratulations what are we supposed to do like you know i mean what do you want me to do hug you I expect you to do good things. And that is what professional sports is all about. It's about succeeding. And, you know, look, you're going to have to sometimes give yourself up for the greater part of the cause, which is W's. And maybe that is part of the problem that went on last year. And look, it's not just on the players. Obviously, the, 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 the mixture, the recipe from all of it was just too much that, that led too much, you know, basically too much ingredients here, too much ingredients there which ended up with, you know, essentially, a, you know, a souffle just deflating while I was cooking here. But you look at it, though, and there are, you know, of the players that are brought in here, there's not much on this roster that's ever seen any overall success in this game. And that's the part that concerns you. It doesn't mean it cannot happen. It's great to have individual parts here. But the bottom line at the end of the day is you are judged by whether or not the unit is successful. And, you know, that's maybe what was the biggest problem in 2019. I think everybody just thought there is so much talent. We're just going to throw it out there. It'll overcome a lot of things. You saw a team like Baltimore. And, look, they played well against them. Um, but Baltimore, it was more of the sum of everything there, which led to success as opposed to, you know, well, you know, Odell can't get 10 for 179 and three scores week in, week out. And not to blame Odell, but that's just kind of the way it went last year. And, I think they, they've all started to grasp it here. And I think there's more of, and we saw it the other day with Odell and Miles trying to jabbing back and forth on social media with each other, is we all understand now and we respect each other for who they are. Let's find a way to make this all, you know, get together, you know, fingers crossed, in cohesion here, where this can lead to, you know, we're not talking about where we're going to in January. We're talking about whether or not we're home or we're on the road in January. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's right. That's the ultimate goal is that these guys can bring a a unified approach, and that's top to bottom. That's coaches buying into the head coach, right? That's that's a unified vision that is that is that is passed down from coaching staff to the from the head coach to his coaching staff guys that actually buy in. Because I think that's something I've talked about this off season is that 
not only have the last two head coaches really struggled, it's been pretty apparent that people want the players to respect the head coach, but have the assistant coaches respected the head coach? I don't know that I've seen that, and I don't know that that's translated. And, you know, who spends the most amount of time with their players as a coach? It's not the head coach that spends the most amount of time with his roster. It's his position coaches that spend the most amount of time with them. So, you know, it's too early, obviously, but it does certainly seem like Kevin Stefanski has a way of demanding respect and a way of, using a unified approach and a, a, a I'm not better than you mentality. Let's do this as a group sort of thing that is going to help these guys build. And yeah, you have to find a way. The challenge for every head coach in the NFL is what is the the, the thing that he can draw his players' attention to? Is it we're the doubted guys? Um, nobody believes in us. Um, what piece of you know information or what angle can the head coach take to get his guys to buy into his vision and that's what it's going to take because when you get guys to buy into the program, guys to buy into the way things are being run, that's when you get the camaraderie. That's when you guys get, um, you know, those guys that finally the individual is not greater than the sum of the whole product. That's what the Browns need. They have not been able to find that yet. When they do find that, they've had enough guys who have won at various playing. And when they can get over that hump, they can get a vision that they believe in, a head coach and a coaching staff that they all believe in and buy into and feel like they're playing on a level playing field with other teams across the league. That's when you can see the belief tick. And hopefully, like you said, these guys have been saying the right things in the front office, in the coaching staff, and it feels like the players are finally saying the right things. There's not a rogue statement going on. There's not these weird quotes that are out there talking about other players' contracts. None of that stuff has happened you don't want to see any of that crap. You want these guys unified in their approach, unified in their vision in terms of what they're thinking about each other, what they're thinking about the ultimate goal. And yeah, Jeff, we have no other reason right now than to feel positive about that. And I think one of the biggest things is, and you know, you've heard this from whatever, you know, whether it was Kevin Stefanski, um, you know, whether it was Andrew Barry, uh, obviously Paul Di Podesta, it was, you know, a, a lot of it was, you know, there were times where it, it was, it wasn't major critical. But these aren't things we heard last year. And it was more of, we're not here to blow sunshine up your ass. It's, you know, this is what is expected. You know, these are some things we saw last year that did not work. And we're here to correct that. And if we can correct it, there should be some more success going around. And it, it's been fun to see. Um, and, you know, I think Kevin Stefan, since he got into the league, to get to this opportunity, I think players will respect that. They're going to respond to that. As soon as they can all actually get within a building together, I think they're going to you know, fall for it even more. And that's more of it here is, is you, know, you need the players to be, essentially buy back in to you know, the people teaching them the music, so to speak, as opposed to them just saying, well, this is what I've always done here. And that's what it is. And look, for a lot of these guys, whether it's Charles, whether it's Odell, you know, going on to a third organization, you know, when you've failed success and lack of success with your first two organizations, you're not the prettiest state for the prom anymore. The question now goes on to the players is, you know, and you hate to say it, maybe are you guys more, you know, more part of the problem than you are the solution. And I think that's what we're going to see here is more of these guys. Well, what can I do to make sure that you know we're playing January? I want my name to be respected with, you know, players who played my position, you know, as the greats ever. And well, that's going to come down to it. And because a lot of it, a lot of it weighs in January. And there's been guys who in this league, who've never really done anything in regular seasons, but they put together some nice playoff runs and have been really, really talked about, even though 
the whole body of work isn't essentially there. It was more of, you know, uh, some January moments. I think that's what a lot of these guys are understanding here now, five, six years into the league here is, you know, you need the total resume to earn that respect of, you know, being the star that you think you are, or at least you are. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think there's some guys that know what's on the line and even Baker mentioned it with his, his contract situation, knowing that it's a big year for him. And that's not speaking from a selfish individual standpoint. That's saying, Hey man, I know that the team goes as I go and I have to play well in order for this team to succeed. And with that comes the label of winner. With that comes the label of another contract and all the above. The same thing with Odell and the same thing with Miles Garrett. These guys want to be attached to winning. You know, Odell knows that he's another contract on the horizon. He wants that illustrious third contract that is uh, a big payday for these guys. And Miles Garrett wants another contract. And listen, that doesn't mean guys are selfish. That means guys are trying to buy into winning. If you're winning, money comes, right? And that's what they want at the end of the day is to be attached as a winner. And then the money follows winning. That's how it happens. And, you know, you want guys to understand that Odell has proven he can be among the lead of his position, but he hasn't played for a winning football team enough. The same for Miles. He's an elite football player. There's not a doubt in my mind he's a great football player, maybe the best defensive end in the NFL. He'll prove it eventually once he gets a full season under his belt. But he wants to be attached to winning. All these guys know that their individual performance and being good football players on the field ultimately leads to the group being labeled better, the group going to the playoffs, and from there money is doled. So, yes, these guys have to buy into the vision that into the football team's vision. And from that, if you get everybody on the same page, then you're attached to a winner. If you're attached to the winner, that's where everything shakes out as it should for both individuals and the team. Money follows those guys. So that's what you're looking for. And hopefully they can find that. You know, that's what that's what you want everybody to find here in Cleveland is that the more winning that happens means more players are proving themselves and there's more payers, you know, players to pay at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think that was one of the most difficult parts for Baker last year is because Baker has always had that mentality of put everything on me. I'm the quarterback. That's my job. I'm fine with it. But I think last year, and that's where it became part of the, you know, him biting his under lip, so to speak, is, look, it's more than me. But you want to know what? I've got to sit here and I've got to take it. And I, I think that's, you know, what made it such a difficult year for him. Now, Jake, I had talked with you on, you know, your show. You had a bunch of us on pre-draft you know, about, you know, guys we liked and things we talked about and players and preferences and how it was all going to shake down. Um, but I haven't gotten your thoughts here. Um, and just before we get to the players, I, I love the way it was handled here. Um, you know, they had, you know, the, the amount of picks they had, the last pick was supposed to be in the seventh round. They still made the same amount of selections. They were done in the sixth round, um, added an extra pick for 2021. So now you did a great job in, you know, 20. You got the players that you thought were really, really strong assets. Then you get to 21. You put yourself in a position where you got 10 picks there. It was a really, and, and this is one that you know, you know everybody liked. Uh, for the most part, everybody liked the Browns class, but I think they didn't truly understand. And this is probably what comes with a first-time GM: is understand how well they manipulated the game of the draft, where they were able to not only make for a great, great 2020 class, but they put themselves in a position to hopefully, you know. You know, for whatever they need in 2021, they've got the firepower to do that as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I certainly think that they added what they needed to add. They got a, uh, a third tight end that I thought was pretty important, a guy that could make plays in the passing game and be effective enough as a blocker. Obviously, Jedrick Wills, there's a ton to like about him as a football player. 
Grant Delpit was a first round fifth top 15 pick a year before guy comes back as his, his follow-up year, a year when he knows he's a lock to go in the first round. You get that in your mind that you're going to go in the first round. You don't want to get hurt. You're trying your best not to get hurt, to play good football as best you can without losing all of the things that you could lose with an injury. That's when injuries tend to happen. He was dinged up. It's not a secret, right? The tackling stuff does not concern me as much as some other people. I think that he will ultimately be fine as a tackler as long as he continues to, to uh, attack the little things about tackling. And I think the Browns have put him in a position to be fine. You know, a lot of good parts. Jordan Elliott is a, is a good defensive tackle who can get upfield and play the pass game, a nice rotational player. Uh, you like them getting him. Jacob Phillips has some question marks uh, as any pick 97 linebacker would. You can see them fitting that sort of esoteric niche that he could fit and maybe developing. He's young. You like the fact that he he's, he's, he's extremely young and can grow into this defense. And I think there's a lot to build with there as an athlete. Um, his testing numbers were quality and he played a part of a pretty good defense at LSU. So, you, you know, you can see where they would invest in him as such a young player that they can mold. And then, you know, you take some wild cards late, Donovan Peoples-Jones, certainly a player that carries a lot of caveats, but a guy who can go get the football, he can run, he can leap out of the gym. Some of those things you really like, and if you get him around the right wide receiver group that the Browns seem to have here, he could really become a nice contributing player, somebody I compare to like Chris Conley as a player, as a comparison, could eventually become that type of player by the end of his rookie contract, contribute special teams right away. And then Nick Harris, who I think is just a long-term center, doesn't quite have the length or size, mass to play guard but a good functional zone scheme center who can really do some things uh, against most four down fronts will struggle a little bit with a zero nose due to some of his strength issues and his ability to hold mass at the front of his position, but a good player that could eventually take over for JC Treader down the line or be a nice backup for injury situations. So yeah, you're right, Jeff. They did a, I say this draft, I've said it since the draft is a good mixture of keeping your eye on the immediate with an eye on the future. This team is geared toward winning maybe a year or two from now, like really winning that could happen earlier. Sometimes the stuff in the NFL happens way ahead of schedule could certainly happen this year, but they're keeping their eye on down the road. They accumulated some picks for the future. If the supplemental draft gets weird here in the next month, they have an extra couple picks that they can make some plays with that uh, would keep their options open for not only this uh, supplemental, but you know, for the next draft as well. So a great draft, man. And I think you guys have done a good job of highlighting it. Pete's done a good job of highlighting it. And uh, a lot of people who do the in-depth stuff have done a great job of highlighting it. So a lot of promise with this class, with these picks. And it, it, unlike years past, and, you know, Jake, you know, you know, if we had gone through this a couple of years ago, oh, Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round. Well, if he can catch 50 balls in his rookie year, no. Other than Jedrick Wills, every one of these guys is in a position where they can ease their way in. Um, even Grant Elbit, obviously, he signed to you know safeties through free agency. Um, you know, and we've talked about this. You know, Sheldrick Redwine is probably an absolute wild card right now. We don't know. Um, you know, he could be a huge, huge part of the 2020 season. Maybe not as much. That is something that's obviously to be determined. Uh, and obviously, look at Jordan Elliott here. Um, there's essentially not a defensive tackle on the roster for 2021. But he's in a position here where he can audition to show them what exactly he can bring them, you know, going further. Nick Harrison, like you mentioned, obviously Donovan People Jones, like you mentioned, Harrison Bryant, he is part of a tight end group, <clears throat> but he's obviously not the number one tight end for most likely in all intents and purposes. He's not going to be the number two tight end. It's, it's unlike years past where, you know, every draft pick was thought to be a significant contributor. That is not going to be the case for these guys. And that's probably what's done a lot of downfall to a lot of guys that were brought into this organization, brought it all into this building in Berea, is there was way too much pressure on them from day one. 
it's not going to be the case this year. These guys are going to come in. And even with Jacob Phillips, look, linebacker is probably not really, really important. Um, this the, this defense, I mean, if you look at it and you follow what they've done and the way they've manipulated their roster, it's about secondary. It's about pass rush. It's about defensive line. Um, you know, we're going to use linebackers. There's going to be some of y'all out there, but it's not the biggest thing. But the, it's, it's the most refreshing thing in the world, and you've seen this with so many organizations for years, is this the rookie class is not going to be, it's, I don't want to say relied upon, depended on. And that's not the way it should be, and especially with the fact that these kids are now coming into the NFL, and a lot of these kids are coming in, Jake, six months away from being 21. And you're asking these kids to essentially be stalwarts from the day they walk in, and it's a lot different, and it's a lot smarter, and it's the correct approach, which we've all screamed about. It should be the right way to do things. But now to actually see it come to fruition, it's it, – I mean, you take the hand to the head. Whew, thank God some people are finally getting it. You made a good point there. They're not counting on these young guys, these the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth-round guys to come in and compete and, and play right away. You get shocked. You get surprised. That's great. Somebody can seize a role early on and just, you know, amaze guys right off the bat. You always heard these veterans who say, how long does it take to tell you, you know, whether a guy has it or not? And a lot of the veterans will tell you it takes about a couple of days of practices in camp and they can just tell. Um, I always find that funny because it really is. You can tell whether a guy is is, is one of those guys or not pretty quickly. Um, and and the good thing is you don't have to count on that. You know, you're going to count on Jed. You're going to count on him. I mean, it'd be a stunner if he's not their first first game week one opening left tackle. But you, for the most part, even with the rotation at safety, like you said, with Grant Delpit, the linebackers, they're going to probably add one more linebacker. So you're looking at five, six guys that can play. Um, and, and, and it stretches to the other positions as well, especially with Jordan Elliott and, and Harrison Bryant. Those guys aren't going to be expected to play. And that's the way the best franchises are run, right? Over the long haul, you're looking for the ability to get guys in the mid to late rounds that can, you know, be a part of the skill set. You know, your scouts can go out and find those guys with traits you're looking for. You find those guys, you fit them into your scheme, and you accentuate their skills. That's what the best franchises do is they have that unified approach that has been proven over year after year of going out and getting guys with traits that you like. And hopefully the Browns are able to do that now, kind of get a unified approach finally, have scouts looking for the right things that match up with what the GM and the player personnel people are trying to find for the franchise. You can do that, and then you can bring these guys in and mold them and then sort of keep that circular rotation of supplemental picks going on. You know, But you expect your early guys, your Jedrick Wills, to be able to step in and be a contributor right away, spending a top 10 pick on a guy, and hopefully they can do that. But I, I do like their approach, which is, like you said, being able to look at the future with some of these guys, not forcing them in right away, making them feel the pressure to play right away like Mac Wilson. Unfortunately, injuries force that to happen, but – you don't want rookies coming in who feel like they just like, ah, I got to get on the field right now. And I don't know if I'm ready. You want them to have the confidence when they step on the field. And that confidence is not the same guy to guy. One guy could have that confidence week one of 2020. The next guy might not have that confidence until week 15. The next guy might not until the second year. So it's not the same. It's not linear in terms of how these guys grow and stuff. So you want to get them on the field when they're ready. And hopefully this structure can keep them, um, you know, keep getting guys on the field when, when they're, you know, they're ready, not the team needs them. Yeah, and I remember speaking, you know, a couple times, obviously, Joe Schobert on the show, and he said, you know, the biggest difference in his career was year one to year two. And obviously, you talk about Joe, and Joe was a day three pick. It was just enough getting into the league and, you know, with your head on a swivel and everything going on and, you know, demands from friends and people and just trying to learn the playbook. And then, you know, now where you're a little more confident and you can actually, you know, talk to some of your veteran teammates where you don't feel so weird. 
And, you know, this is going to be a, a big thing for every rook in the NFL this year because, you know, it's obviously by the time they do get to it, everything's going to be accelerated. You didn't have those rookie camps where at least you knew the guy who was putting out the towels and stuff like that. So it's going to be it's going to be fairly, fairly interesting how it all comes down. But that's why this situation looks even better, because these guys are not going to have, you know, the the, the immediate contribution you know, thing that they're going to have to worry about. It's, you know, OK, well, where's my assignment? Where do I line up here? And yeah, these Zoom classes are fantastic, but there's it's 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 a big difference actually being out there with pads on and guys in motion and you know people yelling and chirping and making sure you exactly know where you, where you are and what you're doing. Um, because you know, I mean, if you're not exactly sure of your assignment to begin with, then the rest of it's just I mean, it's just going to be a loss. Um, you know, it's putting yourself in the best position to succeed, which uh, you know, again, this franchise has just done a fantastic job this year as far as what they put together here. We're going to get to a little bit more here with Jake, and we'll talk about, you know, the big purple elephant rumor in the room here as we're almost to June, and uh, a certain defensive end has not found a home here yet. Jake, this is now the one that's getting now funny, um, and it's probably to the point now today, more than ever, and I understand with all the fans, Cleveland-wise, you know, it's, well, if he don't want us, you know, forget him, and Adam Schefter obviously, you know, mentioning today, and, you know, Cleveland, they're in it, look, Jadavian Clowney, you want to come be a Cleveland Brown? It's here. Um, the opportunities here, obviously, you know, monetarily, uh, length, um, they've given the best offer. Fans, um, and this is, you know, pull the offer. And uh, if he doesn't want to be here, it's not how you do business. Um, you want to be friendly with every agent. You want to be friendly with every player. And it's just not a good way to do business. You just say, oh, well, you know, screw you then if you're not going to be part of us. Um, it's not a street gang. It's a football team. It's a business. You're trying to win here. You have an electric player um, in Clowney, and you look at him, and a lot of teams would view him as their number one edge player. Obviously, that's not going to be the case here. And maybe this is where it does get a little bit tricky, where you know his agency is also Miles Garrett's agency. So there could be a question here about you know between Bus Cook and you know what am I doing that is best for both of these guys? Because you know agent at the end of the day, bottom line is you know you're trying to fill your own pockets, but you're also trying to help out your clients here. Um, but a special talent and you know, the fact that you can bring him in here, he likes to play up and, you know, you, where he has success is up and down the defensive line. We've seen miles more in 18 than in 19, where he's had success up and down the defensive line. It, 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 for me, Jake, it, it, and when this first came bandied about, you were wondering, you know, well, is this the typical way a free agent uses the Cleveland Browns, manipulate them to drive up price to eventually go where you want. But you look at it, and it's interesting. I mean, and if you can put two guys who were former number one overall picks and both as athletic, and the thing with Jadavian is in everybody, the production numbers have been kind of down. And I think people view that the same way Olivier Vernon kind of got viewed is. But he's also gotten better, and Miles Garrett in the same way. Is they've also gotten better at what the assignment of the position is as far as, you know, run game and, you know, setting the edge and, you know, what – I may get blocked, but there ain't no way that running back's getting outside of me. It, it, it makes for a really, really, really fun duo. And, you know, I was trying to explain to some people today is, look, if you ain't paying anything to the linebacker position, which they're not, um, you can kind of go heavy at, you know, at the extra, you know, it, at the other side of the defensive end ball, at the other side of the defensive end, you know, the other position there. And, you know, do you move on from Vernon? Maybe it's the possibility. I mean, that's another stone to cast. But there is nothing wrong whatsoever here. Um, and 
I give him credit for staying in this long. And here we are still, you know, two months later in a free agency. He's a special, special talent. And the Browns seem to be the hardest one in at this point. Yeah, they they certainly seem to be the team that is most interested. They want that flexibility. It's been clear. You made a good point, Jeff. It's been clear for a while now that they are going to invest in pass coverage and they're going to invest in pass rush, whether that's free agency dollars, whether that's their dollars to keep a guy around that has been in the franchise or that is draft capital. They are going to spend that money on keeping around guys that are going to impact pass rush and pass coverage. And it's a it's a nice flexibility piece if a guy can move all around to be an effective player and is young. I mean, that's the thing, right, is Olivier Vernon's money would probably – I just don't see how you could keep Olivier Vernon if they ended up making that deal uh, for Clowney. And you're looking at just uh, – with Clowney, you'd be looking for a stretch of time longer, right, than – and, um, you know, they're going to need a defensive end next year in some variety, whether they draft one or whether they go out and get you Devin Clowney. The nice part is the flexibility. Cleveland's after him. I mean, I don't know that you can blame any big time free agent for saying I got to pause and think about this with Cleveland. Right. Like, I don't think you can blame anybody for saying I'm not so certain about the, the, the consistency of the front office. I'm not so certain about, you know, playing for that franchise that has been a, a loser for a long time now. Right. B has been surrounded in controversy for a year and C is on their third coaching staff in three years. So I don't think you should be offended by that as a Browns fan. That's just the fact of the matter. You got to take off your orange and Brown sunglasses and look at it from a perspective of what would a free agent who only has so many years to capitalize on contracts, what's he looking at? How does Cleveland benefit him at the same time he can benefit Cleveland, right? So he's going to keep his options open. More teams might come into the pecking order as franchises open up their buildings again and really start to sit down and structure some things. I do expect Cleveland to be very involved up until the end of his signing, but I don't, again, as a Browns fan and as somebody who cares about the Browns, I don't think you should be offended by a guy having second-guessing situations about Cleveland. It's just until the team proves over the long haul that it can keep a coach, that it can keep a consistent level of play high I don't think you can be offended by that so I'm not going to Devin Clowney wants to come to Cleveland I think they should welcome him with open arms if the contract structure is right and I think you should be excited about him joining if he eventually joins he's a good football player mean the sack numbers you can argue that all you want but he can do a bunch of different things he plays the run game extremely well we all know Cleveland has struggled to stop the run from front end to back end for a long time now it's been a consistent years that they've struggled with that he's a good football player and he's still young and you would welcome that kind of talent to Cleveland but again don't be offended by the fact that he wants to be patient in this approach it's not that so you don't know the whole story you haven't heard from the player exactly but if they want to get him I'm certainly in line with making your defense better and having a consistently good football player around for a few two or three years and the Vernon thing would be interesting because it's going to be late in the game for him and you could maybe sit down with him and say look it ain't going to be 16 million um you know what do you want you know, base uh, with some guarantees? And obviously he would benefit from this rotation along with what's been done on the interior side of it. And maybe, you know, or maybe he just would you know be done and go and obviously maybe go replace Clowney in Seattle or, you know, go chase, you know, go to Philadelphia a situation that probably would fit him, um, you know, and maybe essentially go ring chasing here. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's a move. And this is what we had talked about. And, you know, it came from the Charles Robinson thing where it's, you know, the Browns weren't in it for, Hey, we'll just give you, you know, 13 million for you to come make an essentially an all-star appearance here this year. Let's make this work. And, you know, let's pair you with somebody who's, you know, athletically, you know, as gifted as you are. And it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause significant problems for whoever we face. Um, It's a great idea. It's a fun idea. And look, if you have the space, you know, cap wise, 
and you can make this work for a couple of years and put this defense in a position of, you want to know what? That's fine. You know, you know we think we got enough in the interior where we can shut down this run game. And if we get you to second and eight, hell yeah, it's lights out. It's over because it's party time for us on defense. And, that, and that's right. He can come from any direction, right? He's he's an experienced player to blitz from inside. He can blitz outside. He can walk down. He can drop into coverage. He's as good an athlete as you'll find opposite of Miles Garrett. They're both kind of same skinny, not skinny, thick, like that sort of wiry is kind of what I'm looking for. Strong, muscular, wiry frame that can uh, in a variety of ways. And you never know. He's he's played with a Rob or with a Batman before in JJ Watt, but the health was never consistently there. It would be really fun to see both of those guys on the field thriving together. Um, it could form a really, really dangerous duo. If they feel like they can get pass coverage, that they can play it schematically, they can hold up for three or four seconds. There's no reason to think that a rotation of um, those two defensive ends and then you add in, you know, Sheldon Richardson, Ogan Joby, Andrew Billings, Jordan Elliott, all guys who can get after the quarterback in their own way. And then you mix in, oh, yeah, we got this Claiborne guy who can blitz off the right side and be phenomenal from inside or out off that right side. If you go back and watch those Carolina games last year, that guy almost single-handedly won those games with pressure that he created um, a nice rotational player to give guys a break. It could be a very fun defensive line, Jeff. Oh, it, it just it just makes for just too much excitement here. And, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, and maybe, you know, him and his camp, they're enjoying the uh, waiting game as 32 NFL franchises essentially are waiting, you know, for his decision. Um, before we put a bow on this, Jake, and this doesn't have to be Browns-wise, NFL-wise. I mean, obviously, you know, and we talked about this before we hit the record button. It's been really difficult this time of year here. Um, you know, it, it's there's so many things you can do to fill time. But we're past filler time here now. We should have OTAs to talk about and things about that nature and, and all of that stuff. But NFL-wise, you know, I mean, there's just so many things, Jake, whether it's, you know, Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And, you know, we're about to have the Las Vegas Raiders, which seems so weird to say, and the Rams and the Chargers. Apparently, they're two separate franchises, but everything about them between sharing a stadium and uniform-wise looks the same. Um, it's just been a crazy offseason, but without everything being open, it, it's been different, and it's 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 almost like we're not looking at it from the outside eye. We're looking almost from like the outside of the outside eye, the way this offseason. But some you know, some things here, NFL wise, this offseason wise, that have caught your eye, and something you want to get off your chest. Well, I hate to say this um, because I, I, I certainly think that this will probably piss off the fan base that we cover here. I actually think Pittsburgh's going to be pretty damn good. Like I, I really, when you look at them coming back. Um, I have a fear that this division got a lot better. Um, I think that the Bengals will still be, will still struggle. I certainly don't think they'll be great yet, but they're going to be much better than they have been in the last two years. And this would be, this could be stuff that you guys know all about, but um, you know, I certainly think Pittsburgh just is going to be better de facto of their, their, their wide receiver group that I think is getting better. They got a red zone tight end. Who's very, very good. In their quarterback situation with Ben, you know, it's it's uneven. I don't I don't know. Maybe he doesn't come back the way he was, but he's got to be better than what they were trotting out last year. And that defense is pretty damn good, too. So this division is going to be extremely good for a long time. I think there are four quarterbacks that are going to be good in the next year. How Pittsburgh replaces Ben down the line will be interesting. But the AFC North is not going to be the AFC East. It is going to be a constant I, I think you're going to have a shuffle of different teams going through cycles of winning this thing. And uh, it was maybe you could say down for a few years, 
but I think this could be back to being the best division in football again really quickly next year. And I think over the coming years, this this AFC North could really start to dominate the division. I mean, the Chiefs will be the Chiefs. That won't stop. But I think the AFC North will – will uh, you will see a much improved division. I think you'll see upwards of three very competitive teams and maybe three playoff teams come out of this division next year. And then, like I said, as the Bengals keep growing around Joe Burrow, who I have nothing but I think the world of Joe Burrow – um, it could continue to be four teams that are really good, man. Um, who you look at from you know Cincinnati, and they actually surprised this year in free agency, and that's going to be the thing. It's going to be whether how much people buy in to Joe Burrow because obviously it was never a huge, huge free ed, free agent destination. Destination, you know, if people buy into Joe Burrow and there's a chance to win there, that's obviously going to change a little of that. For me, the only thing in you know, and with Pittsburgh is. I just think people think it's just so safe to say it's going to be the same Ben Roethlisberger we've seen. Um, you got to factor in the age. Um, you know, Philip Rivers, obviously the Chargers, as loyal as they were to him, they were comfortable with. You know what? All right, yeah, maybe it's time for a change here. You know, obviously Eli is now taking over Twitter, and you know Frank's red hot and whatever the hell that's become. Um, you know, and Ben, obviously part of that. You know, for and you know, and maybe this is more Steelers fans where they just think, you know, all right, well Ben's back. Well, it's kind of hard to just assume. He's back. If he was 30, yeah, it'd be one thing. You know, 37, 38, it's a totally different ballgame. But even still, um, if Pittsburgh was able to get a suitable you know, insurance policy this season for Ben, and they tried, obviously, with Jameis Winston, whether or not you want to call that suitable. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, in Pittsburgh, you know, and we already saw last year, you know, where, where they said, all right, well, we think this much of Minka Fitzpatrick, we'll, we'll give up a first-round pick. So they will essentially, you know, they will have no problem sacrificing for that quarterback if they think they have everything else in place. But other than that, I do agree. I mean, you know, you talk about the meats and the, the meat and the potatoes uh, of both rosters going further. Um, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, not both, but all four rosters going further in the AFC North. It's it's certainly come, you know, light years, and it came quickly, and you know, really, really quickly. You know, where everybody was kind of be able to fill in the holes here, and Baltimore's got this system, and this is where you know, and we mentioned a lot on the show where Baltimore is in such an easy position this year because you talk about you know lack of time on the field lack of time in the classroom, Baltimore can just run it back. And they're going to get to run it back with some special pieces, you know, a Calais Campbell, uh, J.K. Dobbins, who is essentially an afterthought with what is in their offense. Um, you know, for Baltimore, it seems pretty easy for them because what they did last year, you know, and as far as just, you know, the offense, and Lamar is still this dual threat issue. But, you know, you added in a couple of pieces there. You add in a player like J.K. Dobbins, and maybe he doesn't have to do everything he did last year, but they can essentially just run it back and let the younger guys just come into play. But, yeah, the AFC North, you look at the AFC South, you know, Jacksonville, obviously, wherever they are. I'm not sure about, you know, the Colts with Rivers. The AFC East is going to be a whole new feel to that division this year as far as, you know, can anybody just step up and grab the opportunity that they've all been waiting for for a century, 20 seasons for Tom Brady not to be there. Um, the West, you're all chasing Patrick Mahomes type of thing. Um, but yeah, the North, this is the opportunity here to, you know, say, hey, you know, we may not be top dog as far as individual team within this conference, but as a whole, we could possibly be the best conference within this AFC. It is, man. And I was watching Baltimore today as they're the team to beat. Um, I was breaking down, I, I posted on Sioni Taki Taki, and I lost as many of his 105 defensive snaps I could. And, it's just like watching Baltimore go from inverted veer power option to 
you know, running G schemes from the, from, from 12 personnel and 22 personnel and all of a sudden they're an empty. It's like that team is just a bitch to defend and that's not going away. And uh, you have to figure out draft about how to stop those guys. And it's going to be a challenge and Pittsburgh can trot out three, four good receivers and a tight end. And they got, you know, a running mentality that's been in there for years and Cincinnati might have a pretty good quarterback on their hands too. So, and they're running, you know, with the scheme and a system that a, uh, Zach Taylor can bring there that hopefully they they hope can flourish for him. I, it's just it's going to be a good division for a while, and it's interesting how it's all shook out. And I'm fascinated. That will be the most fascinating thing for me to watch is where this division is going in the next three or four years, and and uh, if anybody can knock off Baltimore with their structure of play, both sides of the football. Uh no doubt about it. Um, guys, obviously everybody knows Jake. Uh, whether it's the work over at the OBR. Um, and you know, the detailed, you know, film analysis and, you know, it's, it's funny cause we kind of both, and we talked about this, you know, years, you know, three years now, both kind of came onto this, you know, scene essentially at the same time. Uh, you know, they do the, uh, the daily you know, briefings now over at the OBR, the podcast Jake does over there, you know, through blue wire, um, just does a fantastic job. And it's, you know, a mutual respect here. And you've heard us say this a bunch of times. Um, there's a certain few in the community here where we're tight with each other and we appreciate each other and the work they put in put out so it's always a pleasure to sit down with jake and break bread make sure you're following at jake underscore burns 18 um to jake and obviously his son and uh you know a fantastic wife kelby um just wish you guys all the best everybody stay safe um i know it's getting this time of the year and this is the toughest part here with all that's going on is the allure to get back to the real life jake is here so much more now than it was the last couple of months but you still have to just be smart in that back part of your head and you know what is right what is wrong and it's look i mean it's not about the next two months it's about the next decade it's about the new next two decades i'm with you buddy i'm with you we are trying our best to uh to do all we can to help society i hope you guys are doing the same making making the best decisions for for your situation and i'm not going to tell anybody how to live their life um certainly can't do that in this country i just hope you're making right decisions and, and thinking about other people because at the end of the day um, like Jeff said here with all the nice words about about myself and our family, you know, I, I reciprocate those feelings to Jeff and the Locked On Network and, and what he does with Locked On Browns has been fantastic growth over the two years. It's all about caring about each other, man. It's caring about your neighbor. It's about caring about your friends, caring about your family. And, um, you know, Jeff's done great things for me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate him for that. And I appreciate everybody for listening on, on his end and, and taking the time to consume this stuff and talk Browns and, and stay jovial. And I just hope everybody's doing their best for themselves. Stay healthy, stay mentally healthy, get out, get fresh air. Um, know that if anybody needs anything, our DMs are open. We always chat, chat football to get it off your mind. Whatever you need, man, we're always here. Take care of each other. Take care of your family. Take care of your neighbor, all that good stuff. I appreciate you having me on, Jeff. You know that. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the OBR Film Breakdown, where a reminder, we have a couple of film pieces up on Sione Takitaki that was just posted at the OBR yesterday, and then we'll have something up on David Njoku here soon. All of the draft profiles are on the YouTube channel that you can go check out. Quick snippets of that. Subscribe to that YouTube channel if you can. We will continue to grow that thing exponentially over the next few months leading into the 2020 season, and you don't want to miss anything. Turn on those notifications. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast whatever platform you use we appreciate the feedback on apple itunes as we get more feedback on how to improve ourselves and get better heading into the year and i always hope you appreciate 
and uh, learn something from these. That's the goal here is to help you understand, learn, and um, appreciate football more. That's the goal of the Film Breakdown channel here. So always enjoy your feedback. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And until next time, go Browns. Thank you.